Welcome to A Conscious Way Forward, a podcast about healing, reimagining leadership, and reinventing education. If you're a seeker, changemaker, or dreamer, you're in the right place. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I'm on a mission to help individuals rise in consciousness and usher in a new paradigm of a more equitable and just global society. As an educator, founder and CEO, dadpreneur, coach, and ambassador for change, I share my conscious journey through real, raw, and relatable stories while engaging in conversations with a diverse group of guests. I discuss timeless wisdom teachings and how they've helped me navigate life, leadership, parenting, and heal my traumatic childhood wounds. If you're ready to come home to your soul's purpose, co-create a more equitable world, dream, act, and heal forward together, then please continue to listen. Hey everyone, it's David K. Richards. This is the second part of a four-part series on the intuitive leader within, which you all know is a huge passion of mine. In the last episode, we discussed the types of leaders our future needs now. Today, I'm going to deconstruct the leadership beliefs that we've all been conditioned to believe. I explain the type of leadership structures that we need now as we move forward and create this new normal. This episode's accompanied by a worksheet that challenges you to dig deep into your own beliefs. So I encourage you to lean in and debunk those old myths about leadership beliefs that are deep down, and you may not even be aware of them. Today, we're talking about the leadership belief systems that we've all been taught. And so what I want to engage in today is really thinking about this question, which is what are the internalized belief systems from our parents, society, culture, and other external factors that have us believe what a leader is supposed to look like, act like, and be like? We've been taught so many of these beliefs, and they're really deep down. They're ingrained. And I actually had recorded this episode before and realized when I was speaking in the middle of the episode in an unplanned moment, I started talking about how my fifth grade teacher was the epitome of a leader. (laughs) Okay. And my fifth grade teacher was a career changer, 55 year old white man. And he used to actually say to us on the board, if you got in trouble, you had to go to San Quentin, which is a federal prison for those of you that don't know. Okay. So that's like an old style of leadership and no judgment because at that moment, That's where we were. That's the 20th century leadership. But what I want to do today is really talk about what are these beliefs. And I want to highlight some of the main kind of myths. And thank you to my awesome Heart of the Matter Facebook group that helped me think through and identify these themes. Because I'd written down so many in the last episode I recorded, I realized that it was too much. Because like anything, we don't even realize that we have these beliefs that we have internalized. And so I'm going to highlight these main myths that I think are perpetuated about what makes you an effective leader. And I'll go through these myths, these belief systems that are ingrained within us and tell some stories and kind of my own journey about this leadership path I'm on. At the end, I'll close with the worksheet that I want you guys to go through because I want us to actually identify what are the ingrained beliefs that we're not even really aware, that we don't have in our awareness or our consciousness, and therefore we're not changing them. What I want to do today is actually share these beliefs and hopefully through the activity and the worksheet, you guys will start to clear out those beliefs or at a minimum, bring awareness to what these beliefs do and how they create assumptions and behaviors and things that are not as helpful. As we 
embark upon this new earth, this new world, this new leadership paradigm, this new paradigm of everything and the space that we're in. So I really think there's three main areas. Number one is that you're supposed to be strong. Weakness is not good leadership, right? (laughs) I'm saying that tone of voice. Weakness is not good leadership. You need to be strong. Never let them see you sweat. You need to know the answer to everything. And at the end of the day, if you really take a step back and you look at that belief system, it's tied to the white dominant culture, which is masculinity. It's tied to toxic masculinity. So I'm just going to say it here and I'm going to be really clear with it. That's the belief that I think we need to dismantle because this belief that you're not allowed to be feminine in your leadership and it's not effective. The seven countries that had the best response to the coronavirus were all led by women. I've said this before, the leadership of the divine feminine is coming and it's going to come on strong. Okay. You heard it here first, maybe not first, but you heard it here. So for me, this whole belief that masculine leadership is the most important way, and this is really a 20th century concept or paradigm. And being a man, being a white man, I really hated myself. (laughs) to be really frank and really transparent because I thought I was supposed to be this masculine, know-it-all, mansplainer that was always strong, that never showed any weakness. And so I ended up thinking that was who I was supposed to be. So for you listening, you probably have all these, not probably, you have all these amazing skills that are not based on these leadership beliefs. And that's why I want to talk about this because I really want you guys to see there's a bunch of baloney, okay? A bunch of baloney. And in fact, your skills are what are most needed. And I keep saying this, I'm going to say it over and over. For me, it was really about people believing me as a leader, but me not seeing models of my style or my true nature, my essence of leadership, which is collaborative, talkative, you know, verbal, checking in with everybody. It's affiliative, like, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? It's very feminine, quote unquote, right? And very intuitive. And what do we call that? Women's intuition. Okay, we don't even think men can have intuition. Are we kidding? <laughs> so for me, it was like this journey of realizing that people kept asking me to be a leader, like throughout all these different jobs I had. And part of that, honestly, is because I'm a white man. I'm just going to own that. That's white privilege right there. But it was also because I was exhibiting strengths. My true nature was showing the strengths that leaders really have. In my mind, because I was believing all of the conditioning and the things that I was taught about leadership, I was like, well, I'm weak. I'm quiet. I ask too many questions. I help people. I serve people. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not commanding. I don't talk directly. I'm not good at setting boundaries. Like All these things that I thought meant I would be a terrible leader. But yet, people kept asking me to step into these leadership roles. And I was like, this is weird. I don't know, when I was about 25 years old, and I read this article about emotional intelligence in the Men's Health magazine, which is a very mainstream magazine, and it's for men, right? So it perpetuates a lot of the masculinity stereotype. But it also does a good job of bringing in other perspectives. This was, I don't know, 20 years ago, and this was when emotional intelligence, it wasn't like as mainstream as it is now. And basically, it was talking about how this is the number one skill that you need to have to be an effective leader. And I was like, what? That's me. Like, I'm reading the article, and then I bought the book. I'm like, that's me. That's me. This is what I do naturally. This is what I do all the time. Like, I don't, I don't need to learn these skills. I'm an empath. I'm an intuitive. I care for people. I always kind of feel how people are doing. Like, I was like, what? What? Wait, I don't have to be an a-hole? <laughs> like, I don't have to be mean all the time. I don't have to be 
strong and make up answers when I don't know them. And I can be transparent and honest and authentic. Well, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) That was really a moment that I started to believe in myself so much more. It's because others believed in me, so then I believed in myself. And then the other really big myth or belief system that we all buy into, and this is what's totally changing with this 21st century leadership that we need to move into with this world that's unfolding rapidly in front of us and the tables are being turned over, is this belief that you need a hierarchical leadership system. And we are all so mired in this, so incredibly mired in this. Let's break it down. It's a belief in superiority. Okay, It's a belief in command and control. It's the belief that there's a hierarchy, there's a top and there's a bottom, that nothing's gray, it's very black and white. You're important if you get to this point. And then it's like, okay, once you get to that status, you're a leader. You know what? There are a lot of leaders that have no status or titles. The best leaders actually are the ones that don't have the status and titles, okay? I remember when I worked at a bank and the woman who had worked there for 30 years had one of the lowest titles and she ran that place. She was like the administrative assistant or the office manager and the department, she ran that place. No leadership title. And I watched her and I was like, oh, I know who's in charge here, right? That was a maternal feminine leadership. Just to be clear, I'm not saying this is a duality of like, you can't have both. You can't be strong and you can't be weak or whatever. I'm saying that it's an integration of the two. So what I saw in this woman that didn't have a title is that she was really strong in her convictions. She set really clear boundaries. She had a lot of that masculine energy, but she also embodied the feminine energy of, like I said, showing a lot of love. And again, I'm totally generalizing. Please do not think that this is like fact, but it's generally speaking and through my direct experience. I'm not saying this is fact. This is my direct experience, me generalizing. You could have 500 different opinions that aren't this. But for me, that's how it was. So one of the stories I want to share about the hierarchy that I think is so fascinating, and just in general, this story about the new leadership habits that I think we need to build is that when I first became a principal, the first school, I had been a teacher in June, and then I was a principal in August, and I had done some training, but I was pretty green. I was pretty new. And one of the teachers came to me in about October, and she said, we want you to stop being self-deprecating. We want you to stop listening all the time. (laughs) We need direction. So what she was basically saying to me is like, you've dismantled the hierarchy too much. And we're actually not sure what to do. Like we need some guidance. We need the vision. We need the strategy. We'll execute it, but we need you to give us some direction, you know? And it was so great because she basically came to me and she was very nervous, you know, because I was her boss. And she said, I really, really admire you as a leader but I'm really concerned with X, Y, and Z. And she's like, let me just lay it out for you. She wasn't even metal. She was like 27 and just an amazing woman. And she said, you are so great at gathering input, asking people for their opinions, making everyone feel included, making everyone feel heard, writing those you know, beautiful notes you write to us and intuitively understanding what we need and then delivering it before we even know we need it. And all these things that she was saying to me, she's like, however, I was like, okay, here comes the but. <laughs> And back then I was not able to hear feedback in the way that I am now because I've done so much work on my inner work and dissolving the ego and realizing that most of the time people are projecting their own things. And her feedback was a projection of her own work that she was working on where she wanted to be more assertive. But regardless of her projection, it was really good feedback in that she said, we just want you to speak up. We don't want you to be. And I had co-leader or assistant principal or somebody in the school that would talk a lot. And she was like, we just need you to be talking more or as much. 
We really, really need you to step up. And it was like, whoa, okay, okay, I got it. And so what I realized at that moment again is like, we believe that you're on the top, you have everything and that you reach the status and people just follow you. But what we really know and what people were discussing in the group today, which I really appreciate, is it's all about servant leadership. Now there's been books and research and everything. And someone had mentioned Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. And there's so much research now that shows that these kind of old style of leadership is not actually going to take us to the next level. It's not where we need to go for rising in consciousness and really up-leveling our leadership. And on that note, I've read a book called Reinventing Organizations. I actually didn't read the whole entire book because it was so dense, but I did get the illustrated version, which is amazing. But the theories are really cool because it's about teal leadership. And it's about this idea that we're kind of moving through another evolution in our world. And this is even before COVID and the racial tensions we're dealing with and the economic crisis and all of these things that are coming at us. Even before then, they were predicting, and a lot of people are that, it's the move to teal. And it's really cool. I'll do an episode on it. But it walks you through the different phases of our kind of evolution as a species, as a humanity. And in the last few hundred years, it's not like, you know, going back millions of years. The 20th century is really about command and control. And that's what we needed in that time. And that period of consciousness, that's what we needed. And so the hierarchy is dying. And it's time to start really dissecting and deconstructing and dismantling the places where we think you get that title, so you have all the power. And what I love about reinventing orgs is it talks about distributed leadership and how it is basically self-managed organizations. And they actually have really good examples like Morningstar Tomato and some other examples in the US and other countries where they're using a completely self-managed organizational structure. And they're taking the hierarchical structures. And a lot of times I think about this as if you're familiar with Montessori education versus our traditional school system. And for me, in terms of how we are so stuck in the top-down hierarchical leadership, look at how we run our schools. Our kids are not going to put up with this for much longer. There's 428 layers between the superintendent and the teacher. Come on. So what Reinventing Organizations talks about is listen to the people on the ground. <laughs> like, Give them power. Everybody has power. Everybody has power. Because it's all about power at the end of the day, right? So everybody has power. And you don't have to work your way to the top to have power. And they have really cool things. Again, I don't want to go into too much depth in this episode about it, but I can tell you that it's way ahead of its time in terms of hierarchy dying. And also holacracy is another example of a leadership system. But oh, what I was going to say is that with the Montessori, what they've done is they've just replaced the structures that we know around hierarchical leadership with self-managed structures. So like if you go into a Montessori classroom, they have tons of systems and structures. But they're just different systems and structures than the ones that we have in a lot of our traditional classrooms where everything has to go through the person at the top, which is the teacher in the classroom, right? And then if you think about it, then the principal, everything has to go through the person at the top of the school. And then there's the assistant superintendent and the superintendent and the, you know, the business person. And there's all these layers of things having to go through. And what Reinventing Organizations shows in its research is that it's really an ineffective and inefficient way to lead. So like I said, I'll talk more about that later. But I wanted to make sure that you start to really think about where does this belief of hierarchy actually show up in your consciousness, in your awareness, in your default behaviors? I always talk about it as like pushing you know, the tune, <laughs> but it's like, what is your default conditioning around leadership? Like you don't believe in yourself or you subconsciously you think the white man has the answer or you don't even notice you know, what you do. So I want you to deconstruct that around hierarchy. And like I said, we'll walk through the worksheet. And then the last theme is 
profits or results over people. And so I feel like there's this obsession with data right now. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I did a leadership session, a workshop with some folks, and I told this story about Google. I did a training at Google called the Talent Academy. It was a phenomenal, superb training on how to really think about leading people, recruiting people. It was all about like human resources, but really through the people perspective. And Google, at least at that time, 10 years ago, was really, really ahead of the game on how they operated with their people. But I told the story about how Google spends millions of dollars on analytics. So in terms of hiring, they have a hiring committee, they do their analytics, they have all these formulas, all these structures, all these systems. And I'm like, how do you decide who you're going to hire at the end of the day? And they're like, we use 50% data and 50% intuition. And I was like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) But you know what? That's helpful. And I don't want to sit here and bash data. But what I do want to say is that you can move into thinking that leadership, again, deconstruct this belief that leadership is about the numbers, right? It's about the data. It's about the outcomes. It's about the results. So I've worked in schools. I've worked in businesses. I've worked in government. I've worked in nonprofits. I'm an entrepreneur. Like I've seen this from all angles. And what happens is people think that because you had to hit the numbers that it's at the expense of people. And I'm here to tell you that it's the opposite. It should be people over results. And if you treat your people well, look at Southwest, look at these other really great cultures that treat their people really well. And why do you think they always kill it on the earnings every year or every quarter? That's really the other myth that we have to really break down. This idea that numbers are more important than our intuitive feelings. I always tell the story about how I had this intuition that 75 kids were coming to our school, even though we're only supposed to have 56. Like that's what our classes and our staffing model was supporting. And I just knew it. I just knew it in May. I was like, I don't know. I just feel it. I'm feeling it. It's an intuition. And in July, people still weren't bugging me. And I'm the founder. (laughs) They still weren't believing me. And as a founder, I'm like, guys, I'm going to have to call founder's privilege here. I'm telling you, hire a third teacher. We're going to get 75. But when I looked at the numbers, the numbers actually didn't show that we were going to have 75. Well, on day one, 75 kids showed up. I'm telling this story because I think leadership is a gray. It's not straight up data. Like You can look at the numbers all day and all night, but there's actually more behind those numbers. And I think that's where we're going. And our next phase of evolution and consciousness is leaders that understand that. And those are the best leaders that understand that the numbers tell a story and they're important. But again, back to the Google story, you can't make a hiring decision on numbers alone. Because if your gut is telling you that person's not going to be a good fit or that, you know, if there's something that's just been nagging you and then other people agree with you, you got to listen to that. So I think this profits and data and results over people, it needs to be deconstructed. And we need to really think about what leadership will look like as we move forward in these people-centric organizations. That kind of wraps up the big belief systems that I wanted to break down. And like I said, there's so many more. And, you know, the world is really shifting right now. It's looking to shift. It is shifting and things are changing drastically, like rapidly. I feel like what we're doing right now with our leadership structures and our organizations and all different levels of how we're leading is that we're bringing a tractor to like a car race. (laughs) And I'm not like a race car guy. This is just what came to me in my meditation. It was like, oh, we're bringing a tractor to a car race. (laughs) Like we want to get in a Ferrari. And again, I'm not a, (laughs) not very well versed on this. So I'm Another way I'm not to, I'm masking it up, right? (laughs) So anyway, but my point is that we're bringing a tractor to a place that needs a Ferrari. And we're wondering why people are like, we're ready to go. We want to get in the Ferrari. We want to collaborate and we want to build stuff, you know, and they're ready to go. And we're like, okay, let's go get the tractor and 
okay, we got to fill out four triplicates and there's 72 people you have to check with before you go out a different door than you went out yesterday because we have to check the procedures. <laughs> and people are like, oh, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready to build like five new doors. They're like, oh, hold on. We're still trying to turn the tractor on. <laughs> okay. Now I'm just cracking myself up. So anyway, but yeah, so people are ready. Young people especially are ready, but a lot of people are ready. I'm telling you, I'm meeting them everywhere. I'm meeting them everywhere. They're like, it is time for change. It is time for change. We're ready to lean into different systems and structures, different concepts, different beliefs, deconstructing our beliefs, all these myths about leadership that are so false, right? Let's look at the lies that we've been told. And so let's just close out with looking at the worksheet. Hopefully you had a chance to download it. I'm going to do like sub bullet points, like the main themes, and then what are the belief systems so that you can look through not just these main themes, but the sub bullet points that go along with them. So I want you to review those. That's the first step. Review these belief systems about leadership. Think about which one resonates the most with you, meaning that like, which one do you do the most without meaning to? Again, I mentioned that without even realizing it, listen to this, I'm doing an episode on new ways of leading and the old myths of leadership. And then I give an example about a white man who's 55 years old who led through command and control. And I'm like, how did that happen? It just totally happened in my repeat record player. So what resonates with the most with you in terms of like what you do and what other things you've observed? Why do you think it resonates the most? So again, is it because you yourself have that block or is it because you see it with all the leaders you've interacted with? Like, what is it? And then what in your past makes you think this is true? So deconstruct that, okay? Because if there's a trigger there or there's something going on, there's something in your past that makes you feel like this is why your belief system has been built, right? Because something that happened to you because of maybe something that your parents told you or your friends like over and over again, like, you know, growing up in the 80s, I saw Lee Iacocca and Ronald Reagan and all these different people that in my subconscious that's what I thought leadership looked like. So by the time I was 20s, I thought, oh, okay, I'm not like that. You know, I'm not John Wayne, not Ronald Reagan, far from it. So just think about what in your past made this true. And then come up with some of the beliefs that you really feel like you want to deconstruct or you really want to like change in your nervous system and your body and how you automatically go to this belief and subconsciously and start to play the game with your thoughts to change that. So what is the opposite of that? So like I said before, I don't want to make this dualistic, but I am saying that you can change your thoughts by saying, oh, what's the opposite of this? What's the opposite of strength, 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 strength? Well, the opposite of that is like vulnerability. So then start telling yourself, think about all the stories you can think about where you've had vulnerable leaders that are the best ones, right? That changes the feelings you have, that changes your nervous system and your default patterning your subconscious pattern because it's changing your thoughts and your thoughts will then be like, oh, I mean, it takes time. But so anyway, so do that. Please work with that a little bit. And we'll keep talking about that. You know, not this won't be the last time we talk about that. I think we talk about a lot, like how your thoughts, beliefs and feelings all work together. And then think about these opposites. This is what I really, 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 really want you to think about. This is what I want to close with is how are these beliefs holding you back? And then what skills do you possess with the opposite of these beliefs? So again, for me, it was like, when I read that men's health magazine and it told me that I was worthy of being a leader and I am a white man. Okay. <laughs> I grew up poor. I had a lot of childhood trauma. Like I had a lot that happened to me, but I can only imagine I'm already growing up, you know, having the white privilege of maybe not economically, but in terms of the way I look and still having these really, really 
limited beliefs and issues of self-worth. And so I want you to understand if you're an empath, if you're an intuitive, if you're just so good with people, that is the number one. That's the magic. Okay, that's the magic. I really want you to understand that. So what are the skills that you possess with the opposite of these beliefs? And like I said, we'll be talking about you are the leader of the future. That's going to be the next episode. You are the leader of the future. We need you. We need you. So really lean into, oh my gosh, how do I believe that when this has been so helpful for me? And I know you're going to have so many epiphanies if you go through this process. And then again, how are the beliefs holding you back? So start observing, spend this week observing, like for me, like not speaking up, not doing a Facebook live, you know, terrified of doing podcasts. I've finally taken me a long time to get to the point where I could even do this episode because my belief systems told me that I'm not supposed to do this. Okay. I'm not supposed to do this because I had a story that, you know, I wasn't the rich white guy, whatever, that had all these things, even though I have these amazing degrees and all these other things, right? So these stories are so insidious. Just I'm making it very clear to you that your mind is going to create great stories and you just got to watch those. Just observe them, observe them, observe them and see where the lies are. All right. On that note, it's been beautiful spending time with you. Thank you for taking some time to listen. I'm holding a really strong intention that this episode will help you deconstruct these leadership beliefs that we're going to arm in arm together, start to transmute these beliefs into a new era of leadership. And I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time again, and we will talk soon. All right, I want to thank everyone again for finding the time to tune in, and I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Please review the worksheet you completed and continue to think about which leadership myths are most present in your life. Is there a certain leadership style you'd like to implement or maybe eliminate in your life? And then spend this next week observing what leadership beliefs come up for you. Have a great week, and I cannot wait to connect soon. If you want more Conscious Way Forward content, subscribe to this podcast and join our Facebook group. The group is growing, and we're building a conscious we movement of parents, educators, leaders, and change makers to co-create and navigate this new earth together. All you need to do is search Heart of the Matter in the Facebook search bar or follow the link in the show notes. Also, check out the website, www.heartofthematter.io, or you can find me at david at davidkrichards.com. And lastly, I'm offering a promotion right now to you, the podcast listeners. If you're interested in living and leading the life that your soul is longing for, then reach out to me, david at davidkrichards.com, and I'm offering 20% off for my one-to-one coaching packages. All right. Thanks, everyone. I can't wait to connect with you in some way, shape, or form in the near future. Take care.